Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. AP also had a story the day after Independence Day. So, you know, they they talk about uh, the term patriot, you know, being confiscated by extremists, though they never mentioned the abandonment of the term by folks on the left. And that was last hour. We talked about that. The day after July 4th, they then do a story. Conservatives go to red states and liberals go to blue states as country grows more polarized. And, you know, they, they... tell different stories with different people, you know, to, you know, humanize the story as they say in the biz. Um, so they have a, you know, a conservative couple that isn't even really conservative. They don't call themselves conservatives. They like, he's a retired cop and they moved to Idaho from California. And he's like, Oh, I wanted to fly my, you know, the American flag with the blue line on it, the thin blue line flag. And, um, I think that's what, I think that's what that one's called. Anyway, he's like, but he, he was always afraid to do it in California. So he moves across the border, and now he can fly, and he's like, this is fantastic. And then they got some woman who was in Minneapolis, and she moves to Colorado. Wait, isn't Minnesota? Isn't Minnesota blue, too? All right, we'll get to that. But this is what's been referred to as the big sort, right? And this is the, hey, don't, you know, don't California my North Carolina. You know, don't don't turn these states into... Uh, the cesspits from which you flee, right? You guys adopted all these particular policies. You had all these politics and you ruined your state. You ruined your cities. Don't do it once you flee and come to mine. Americans are segregating by their politics at a rapid clip, helping fuel the greatest divide between the states in modern history. One party controls the entire legislature in 48 states, right? You do not have split chambers any longer. In 28 states, the party in control in the legislature has a supermajority in at least one legislative chamber, which means, you know, that the party has so many votes they can override the governor's veto. Not that that really is necessary in a lot of cases because only 10 states have governors of a different party than the one that controls the legislature. North Carolina is one of those 10 states. Democrat governor, Republican supermajority in both chambers. Federalism, right? This idea that each state gets to chart its own course within boundaries set by Congress and the Constitution, of course, right? But that we are all, uh, as uh, what Supreme Court Justice uh, Brandeis called it, laboratories of democracy. Right. I don't know if he said it like that, but laboratories of democracy. And that's this is one of those things I try to reinforce this this federalism concept, which, by the way, like the like a new party, if people are really wanting to do that, I would recommend picking up the Federalist Party moniker. Um, if that's, in, of course, like like what your philosophy is, I think that's a good name for a party and it centers us and focuses us on what it is that we were designed to be 
right? And I, I usually make reference to this whenever there's complaints about, oh, I don't like that, you know, this is law affecting all of these con- or all of these uh, uh, states, not countries, but all these states. Um, and I said it after, like, when Donald Trump won and people in California were freaking out. He's going to tell us what to do. I'm like, look, I agree with you. How about this? How about we we revert to federalism, right? And we cut back on the things that the federal government is able to tell you Californians to do. But here's the trade-off. You have to be willing to not tell every other state what they have to do. And that, they, they can't do it. They're like, no, no, no. We're just, we're just going to fight until we're going to resist until we can get our guy back in. We don't have national elections, for example, right? We have state elections on the same day, right? Those are state elections for president at Electoral College built off of that same concept, a federalist concept. But now some wonder whether that's driving Americans apart, says the AP. And whenever you see a reporter frame something like the some people say or some wonder, that means he wonders. <laughs> the reporter wonders. The big sort has many causes. Harvard professor Ryan Enos estimates that at least before the pandemic, only 15% of this homogeneity, and it's not, it is not, it's not a sexual term, this like sameness, homogeneousness, right? This homogeneity. About 15% of this was due to people moving. Other causes include political parties polarizing on hot-button issues that split neatly on demographic lines like guns and abortion and voters adopting their neighbor's partisanship. When Americans move, politics is not typically the explicit reason, but the lifestyle choices they make place them in communities dominated by their preferred party, right? So they're not saying... I'm going to go to the website, uh, you know, the census site or the election site of every state I'm interested to move to and pull up all the voter registration numbers, find out, you know, are they red, are they blue, whatever. It is, there's a certain thing that they value and that's why they go and other people of a like political mind also value those things. And so they all end up at the same place. Democrats want to live in places with autistic culture, right, which is like paintings of stuff that you don't understand Sculptures on the front, you know, uh, sidewalks in front of uh, buildings that just look like, uh, you know, collections of trash, right? Like that kind of that kind of high culture and breweries. That's what the AP says. Actually, a guy named Ryan Strickler, a political scientist at Colorado State University, Pueblo. Artistic culture and craft breweries. Well, and the ability to do drugs. Let's not forget that, right? There is a desire on the left to find places that have lax enforcement of drug laws, particularly pot. Look, I lived in Asheville for eight years, right? I know of what I speak, okay? You got Republicans, they want to move to places where they can have a big yard. I mean, these are oversimplifications, but the concept is, yes, like they value property. I want a big piece of property so I can have my family hang out on the property. We can all do whatever we want. I can, I can you know, bring all my vehicles. I can work on my vehicles. I can tend to the yard or whatever. But then, then came the two weeks to flatten the curve. The coronavirus pandemic, 2020. It created a class of mobile workers 
who no longer are bound to the states where their companies are based. Those who are now mobile are predominantly white-collar workers and retirees, the two most politically engaged parts of the national population. Most people didn't pay much attention to state government until the pandemic. Now, on that, I agree with the AP. Actually, it's a quote from a guy named Mike McCarter, who spearheaded a campaign uh, to have a conservative Eastern Oregon split off and become part of Idaho. A uh, secessionist movement. <laughs> um, well, is it well, secede from California, not from America? It's, hey, Idaho, would you like would you like to be a little bit more square? Because you guys got like that weird. Th- we'll just jump right over, and you get all. We don't want to be in Oregon anymore. Um, I guess it 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 failed. That campaign failed. But I think he's right. I think a lot of people were like, oh, my God, the state can shut down any church. They can shut down any school. And if the state has that much power, probably want to make sure that it reflects our values and not someone else's values getting forced upon you. I think he's exactly right. And the stats bear this out because there are people now that are citing politics for the reason why they are picking the places they're moving to. They're telling realtors this. And they're asking questions about it. And I think it is due to the pandemic. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items. From modern tactical gear to historical collectibles, Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Going over this story at the a- from the AP, conservatives go to red states, liberals go to blue states, country grows more polarized, and this is the big sort, right? And there's some data that supports this. Matthew Hay oversees a regular survey of new arrivals for Boise State University in Idaho. Historically, transplants mirrored the conservative population's leanings, with about 45% describing themselves as conservative and the rest evenly split between liberal and moderate. But something changed last year. The share of newcomers that said they lived in Idaho for the politics jumped to 9% compared to 5% for long-timers. The percentage describing themselves as very conservative also rose. Then go to Cal- uh, Colorado. That's where they, the different reporters, like one was working out of uh, and focusing on Idaho, and one was working out of and focusing on Colorado. So there's a realty firm in Denver. Brett Weinstein, not that Brett Weinstein, but somebody else by the same name, said politics has become the top issue for people buying a home. It's brought up in our initial conversations, he says, three years ago. We didn't have those conversations ever. And now it comes up immediately. One of those politically motivated migrants is Kathleen Rickerson, who works in human resources for Weinstein's firm, for for this realty firm. 
She is 35. She lived in Minnesota for seven years, but during the pandemic, she grew weary of the blue state's vocal anti-masking, anti-vaccine minority. <laughs> so they're comparing the big sort people, right? They're they're getting, you know, they're humanizing the story. They're getting, quote, real people to talk about why they moved. And on the one hand, they got some couple with their kids that moved out of California to Idaho because they're like, yeah, we're kind of a little bit more conservative. I mean, we're still for abortion rights and all, but we're kind of more conservative. And then they got this one to represent the face of someone fleeing to Denver, fleeing to Colorado, a blue state. But she came from Minnesota. And her explanation was what? She couldn't even stand to be around a minority of people in a blue state if she had to listen to their dissent of how the blue state people were running their state. Lady, I don't know if there's a state out there where you're going to be able... Oh, I know, you can go to Threads. Threads, yeah, the the new meta thing. They're already banning people left and right. The ban hammer is being swung all over the place on that website. Right? Just go over there and say, okay, groomer, see what happens to you. Okay, so she says... uh, or sorry, no, this was a quote here from uh, Colorado State Representative, a progressive state representative, Stephanie Vigil. She says, quote, there is a point at which we need to stop acting like trying to get along with our enemies is going to preserve our institution. That's what she said at the end of the session, because the Democratic leader of the Colorado legislature said that it was still important that Republicans feel like they have a voice. <laughs> And so this progressive says we have to stop acting like trying to get along with our enemies is going to preserve the legislature as an institution. First off, she calls the Republicans enemies. Secondly, screw them. That's what she's saying. Screw them, right? There's no reason for us to even have any discussions with like just an open call, just like shut up. These people cannot even tolerate a, a minority of people that might, on occasion, break through their echo chamber. Like, to the point where it's like, wah, 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 echo, 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 and just like, bing. Like, oh, wait, what? did I hear something? Like, that's too much for them. Finally, that family that moved from California, the Coles family, they felt shortchanged in California. They said they watched their native state deteriorate before their eyes, and no one was willing to fix the problems. Trash piled up with homeless encampments. Tax money seemed to go to immigrants who had entered the country illegally rather than U.S. citizens. Um, the, uh, one, of the, one of the couple's mothers uh, qualified for government assistance due to her low income, but she was on dozens of wait lists that were seven years long. He was a cop, Tim, Tim's police station in a former hippie colony in the mountains running through West Los Angeles, got firebombed during the George Floyd protest. These are the examples that the AP gives us when talking about the big sort. And I really do find them to be the quintessential examples. Are they not? I mean, think about that. The one example is is some leftist in Minnesota, a blue state, right? Leftist living in Minneapolis who's like, I can't even bear to listen to a single dissenting view. I got to get out of here. So she moves to Colorado, right? And then the the alternate example of a conservative fleeing is because, yeah, they firebombed my workplace and uh, there are homeless encampments and trash and needles everywhere. 
it's unsafe. I think one of those, one of those is a bit more, I don't know, legitimate of a critique. You know, like one of those is, one of those is less sane. Let's say it that way. The Coles wanted to live in a red state, but Jennifer said they are not party line voters. She's a nurse. She hasn't registered with either party and has a wide range of beliefs, including abortion is sometimes necessary. This is the example of the the right-wing conservative, I guess, that they moved out of California to go to Idaho. They moved to the right-wing bastion of Idaho, and that's the that's the one they found. It makes me wonder what were the other ones that they rejected. <laughs> Did they find anybody else? Really is amazing. All right, so while, yes, there is this sorting occurring, people you know going to states with policies that are more in line with their beliefs, with their values— and more people are aware of the state-level policies because of the pandemic, much of America's political divide might be more of an illusion, says Michael Baharasi Bahrain. I think is how he pronounces it. Baharain. Over at Persuasion.com, there's been an increased uh, willingness, even desire among Americans to self-sort along polarizing lines. For example, college students are less likely to want to room with someone of a different political persuasion or go to school in a state where the dominant political milieu differs from their own sensibilities. The share of people willing to marry someone from the other political party is also declining. Americans are well aware of and concerned about the severity of the nation's divides. Some have opened themselves to the idea of a national divorce in which Americans would sort into red states and blue states and live apart from one another. A not insignificant contingent even fears the prospect of a second civil war. Large majorities also believe the country is destined to become more divided in the years ahead. But according to Gallup's annual survey of partisan self-identification, Americans are actually more moderate more heterodox and less easily sorted along partisan lines than the media might have us believe. And I would say, look at the AP story that I just quoted from and the quote conservatives or Republicans that moved out of California, their views did not fall completely along conservative, like, you know, Republican uh, platform, Towton litmus test have in lines. Gallup's annual survey found that independents have constituted a growing plurality of all voters since 2009, a sign that fewer people are making their attachment to one of the two major political parties, a core of their identity. They don't want to be identified as a Republican or as a Democrat. Additionally, data from the 2022 midterm elections show that just 27% of voters identified as either very liberal or very conservative. The vast majority, 73%, thought of themselves as moderate or only somewhat liberal or somewhat conservative. Now, this is all just self-reporting, and all of this stuff is subjective because I've also seen studies in the past that show, uh, you know, unaffiliated in North Carolina, particularly, they vote even more partisan. Like, their voting patterns are even more of a partisan nature than people who are registered under a party banner. But there are some issues. Listen to this. So under the category of racial justice issues, right? A lot of Democrats think that Republicans not only don't care about racial justice, but actively oppose measures to secure 
equal rights for racial minorities. But a study by a group called More in Common found Democrats estimated just half of Republicans even believe racism still exists in America. That's what Democrats think of Republicans. And I did this. I did one of these types of things. I think this is the group. They call themselves More in Common, but they used to be called Better Angels, I think. And I did one of these events a couple years ago out in Western North Carolina in Henderson County. And I was brought in as a, as a member of Team Red. And it's, these are just regular people. We just gather around and we, we it's actually, the, the program was developed, I think, by like a marriage counselor. And you write down things that you think they think about you that are not true. What are some of the things that you think about them? And what are some of the things that you think they believe about you that's not true? And then you come and present, and they have to sit and listen to you, and you have to sit and listen to them. And then at the end, this was in because like usually it's like an all day course, and this was just a, like one over three hours or two hours or something. And at the end of it, they ask, you know, what did you expect to get out of it, and uh, did you get that? And I said, <laughs> I said, um, I did. I, I like I I I did. I'm disappointed that I got what I expected because the stuff that I heard from team blue about their views, like they, you know, they be, they, they, they engaged exactly as I anticipated they would. And the, the things that they say about their opponents are exactly what I thought they would be. So they never gave me a why that's what I came for. I wanted to know why you think these things, but they never got there. Even though, even though they watched us say these things like, this is what you believe about us and it's not true and here's why, and we gave them all the explanations and stuff, they, they still didn't, it never registers. So anyway, this group does, uh, does a uh, survey and they ask Democrats, um, do you think Republicans believe racism exists right now in America? And Democrats estimate half of Republicans believe racism exists. But in reality... It's like 80 percent of Republicans believe that. Yeah, racism still exists. You know why? Because it's a human frailty. So, of course, it's going to still exist. Sure. Similarly, a 2021 Gallup survey asked whether voters approved of interracial marriages actually found more than 90 percent of Republicans said, yeah, we're fine with it. We favor them. So despite this evidence, they still Democrats still believe this about Republicans. On the flip side, conservatives think liberals are so obsessed with race that they are willing to supplant longstanding American support for merit in things like college admissions with race-based consideration. But in fact, a majority of Democrats oppose using race and ethnicity as a major factor in college admissions, as do majorities of black, Hispanic, and Asian Americans. You would never have guessed this, though, watching the media coverage of this issue. Americans on the whole do not want public schools to be mills for promoting social justice activism, but rather institutions that prepare kids for 21st century jobs and teach them how to reason and how to think critically. Republicans, as well as Democrats of color, agree that schools may not be the best place for teaching more divisive and unsettled concepts like whether gender identity is separable from biological sex. Does that sound familiar? That was caller Tony yesterday. Right. Democrat of color who is all down on the uh, critical race theory stuff, 
But the gender identity stuff, eh, eh. At the same time, an overwhelming share of the public, including a majority of Republicans, favor teachers teaching students about the history of racism. Which is exactly what I told Tony yesterday. Yes, we should teach it. There are ways to teach it without it devolving into critical race social justice theories. And while there are partisan divides on how to best teach some of the most divisive topics, Democrats and Republicans broadly oppose banning their teaching altogether. The vast majority of Americans also oppose banning books about controversial topics. Right? Because they're not book bans. It's curating, which libraries do all the time. They curate books that appear on the shelves, and they do so based on what they think their audience wants to see, what's appropriate for a particular demographic that is serviced by that library in that school. It's curation. Also on abortion. Also on transgender issues. There are others. Right? But both sides fear that if they give an inch, the other's going to take a mile. That's what all the arguing is over. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Another item from the mail sack from Rick, who says, Pete, I love the show. Neck and neck with Mark Levin. Oh, that's very nice. People have said I sound a little like Mark Levin. There, I said it. Especially when I try to imitate him. However, please quit engaging in the long-winded conversations with Tony. He is an absolute idiot. He will not listen and is full of crap. It seems to me that he has given too much time, irritating as hell. See, that's what I mean. I get whenever whenever I engage with Tony, as I did yesterday, I get I get the pros and the cons. I get people that are like they love hearing it because you know it you need to hear what folks on the other side think about this stuff and how they articulate and how they form their arguments. Right, so you're prepared for it, and I hope to just like give uh, an example of like how you address it, how you uh, how you dismantle their arguments. And I thought we were so close. I like I really do think that's I think that's why he pulled the ripcord. Is like he got too close to the edge, and he's like ah, and he got scared because he knew where it was going, you know. Um, and this is from John. Now that Hunter is hiding out at the White House and traveling in the official delegation. Does the Secret Service have to carry Narcan just in case he ODs? That's a good question. I bet they do. I bet they do anyway. I bet they probably do anyway. Because somebody could come up and, like, spike the president's drink with something, you know, and he starts convulsing or something. Um, yeah, probably. They probably already carry it. So Americans are not really that divided on a lot of the big issues. For, for example... Abortion was another one. About 40% of Republicans think abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Did you know that? 40% of Republicans. 
Many Americans, including the vast majority of Republicans, also believe that there should, at minimum, be exceptions for rape and incest to protect the life of the mother. And at the same time, most of the country favors at least some restrictions. There was a Harvard-Harris poll conducted uh, just after the Supreme Court decision came down, the Dobbs decision, found 72% of Americans, including 60% of Democrats, support restrictions at 15 weeks of pregnancy or earlier. While just 10% favored allowing unrestricted abortion access up to nine months. And that's the radical position. The one favored by just 10%. That is a radical position. You would not know that from the way the media covers this topic, though. And they never ask, ever ask Democrats what cap or what limit is acceptable. They just let them pop off about their reproductive justice or abortion is health care. They just let them say all their bromides. And they never ask them, what's the limiting principle here? Because they do that with the Republicans. Do you want an outright ban? That's a limiting principle. They're saying, you don't want any limit. Like, you want to just, just shut it all down. Right? No abortions whatsoever. And they have no problem asking Republicans to go to that other end of the spectrum. But they can never bring themselves to ask Democrats the same question on the, the other side of that spectrum. Or line, I guess. It's just a line. It's not really a spectrum like, like gender. <laughs> anyway, in some ways, on the transgender issue, the country is a little more skeptical of left-leaning positions on these issues. They generally oppose allowing trans women to compete in women's sports. And more than two-thirds believe that schools should either teach that gender is inseparable from one's biological sex or not talk about it at all. That is a position actually held by high numbers of black and Hispanic Democrats, a.k.a. white nationalists. Substantial majorities also oppose medical interventions for minors, such as puberty blockers and hormone therapies. Right? It, what, what, what have I just laid out? The three bills that Governor Cooper vetoed, right? He vetoed all three of those bills, yet the majority of Americans and North Carolinians disagree with him. Most Americans are also leery of government overreach, though, into transgender people's lives and believe that this population faces discrimination. As a result, majorities support protections against discrimination in jobs and housing. Two-thirds of the country also favor making counseling available to gender dysphoric youth. Roughly the same level, two-thirds, supports allowing trans people to serve in the military. Additionally, while most people do not approve of discussing gender identity in elementary school, they are more open to it in middle school and much more supportive in high school. In other words, common sense. In other words, the Democrats are advancing, the Democratic Party, the leadership, right, their activist base, they are advancing the radical positions, not the right. So when Governor Cooper vetoes these measures and accuses the Republicans of engaging in culture wars rather than doing the right things. The, the Republicans are expressing the majority view. They are actually representing the view of most North Carolinians and putting in place certain protections and aligning the law with where people's sentiments are on these issues. Restoring trust 
and reducing fear between America's tribal factions is a necessary first step in this project, especially if we're going to have any hope of holding our fragile democracy together, says uh, the Persuasion article written by uh, Michael Baharaharin, who is a D.C.-based political and election analyst. Um, He says, maybe a good starting place is encouraging Americans to recognize their own complex identities and political outlook. Maybe then they will come to see the same in their fellow citizens.